We are here for another episode of the Disruptive Voices of the Pacific. My name is Letitia Shelton and today I'm interviewing a very reverent man. In fact, his name is Reverend William Powell. Welcome, Reverend. Thank you, Letitia. He sounds so dignified too. (laughs) I like his voice. He's got a good radio voice. I've known him for many years. He's been a a good friend of my father's, him and his wife. Um, And now you're... You are a, um, a minister in the Methodist Church. You're in charge of a whole range of um, churches. Just tell us a little bit of what you cover and what you do. Thank you. Um, I look after a division. and The division is um, part of the Methodist Church. We have 59 divisions. And within a division you can have several circuits and um, many little churches are under the the circuit. And so we have 16 churches or congregations within um, the Wesley Division as a whole, and we have uh, four circuits. We have uh, the North Wesley Circuit, and we have the Navoka uh, Wesley Circuit, and we have Yarrawa Wesley Circuit, and we have the uh, Wesley Circuit, where I am based right here in Suva. And uh, my work is to go and um, visit the circuits every quarter and address issues uh, with the circuits uh, that they face on the ground in the churches. And we try and find solutions to some of the social um, issues that arise from the the churches. Yeah. Yeah, wow, that's a huge responsibility that you have. Um, So thank you for all that you do. Um, And you and I have had many conversations around the abuse, particularly the abuse of women. Um, And you've heard my passion and you were involved in helping us arrange a really significant day that we ran at Centenary last year for church leaders. Um, So thank you. Um, I think you know my big passion is to really be encouraging church pastors, ministers to be talking about these issues from the pulpit because I think when we begin to address it from the pulpit it it opens up doesn't it the conversation it gives people permission to share their journey Um, this is something that you've been doing how what what does it look like when you address these issues from the pulpit well our congregation um, uh, quite uh, a mixed uh, group of people and um, most of them are educated and most of them advocate um, uh, the good news of Jesus Christ and they stand against violence against women, any form of abuse. Uh, but there's one, one thing is talking about it, another thing is living it. So, uh, but I believe that there are some issues within our congregations amongst church leaders and congregants as well. And so we try to address that from the pulpit. I think I had invited you once to come speak at Wesley City Mission, and uh, you've had a few um, talks at Wesley, and we, we appreciate that very much. And I think together with the external input and the internal input into the, um, the issue at hand, uh, I think we can make some progress. might be the progress of a turtle, but making some progress anyways but we want to make progress in this area. Yes, uh, some progress is better than none, but uh, it would be nice to go faster because lives are actually at stake. Um, and I hear from 
Probably not a day goes by when a Fijian woman doesn't message me and share her story of abuse. Um, a, a common thing I hear from women is that they've been told by their pastor or their minister just to stay in the marriage. Um, just forgive him, stay in the marriage, um, save your marriage. <laughs> what? <laughs> To me, I guess I'm just going to be upfront. This is really dangerous um, because she's in a highly abusive situation. If a woman came to you in a situation like that, how would you counsel her? I would immediately tell her to take a break. But not break the marriage, but take a break. I think there's, if children are involved in the marriage, I think that should be her area of focus. And um, giving time a chance to heal, um, you know, the gaps in a person's life. And those gaps may be influenced by so many things in, in a person's past, uh, you know, from a person's past life. And um, maybe that's what, that's what we need to encourage. Just take a break from the marriage, but don't take a break as a mother. You're still a mother. And that's what I'd advise, you know, the, the woman. And if there's, there's a chance of them getting back together and restoring a family with a man healed from his um, violence, uh, life, violent life, and, and the women as well, you know, that may be tri triggering some of those things, uh, together, they, coming back together healed, they will form a, a much stronger family. But I think if there's too much of abuse and it continues and it doesn't change, you know, that's unfaithfulness. And I think the woman may well um, do good for herself if she decides to call it quits. No, thank you. I think those are such wise biblical words that could set many people free. Um, but unfortunately, not enough leaders in the church are giving that wisdom. So thank you. The other issue is, um, you know, if a woman's going to take a break, where does she go to? Like, if you've got four children um, and she wants to get out, where, where in Suva do you go? <laughs> Very good question, Letitia, but I think you know, that's the purpose of the church. That's one place where she can go. She also has her community that she can go to for help. Certainly she must have friends as well who can help her along the way. But I think her first place for help is most mostly people go to back to mum and dad or go to a brother or a sister um, but the church should be always ready for for people uh, who go through such problems and um, stand ready to help them in whatever way they can especially in the area of counseling and meeting the immediate needs the felt needs of the family yeah that's what Thank you. I think that's um, really important that the church can um, have more resources available. Because, um, yeah, if, if you're in a larger church and you've got seven of those women needing help, that can be a big um, strain on a church. But, yeah, I think that's why as churches, how can we begin to talk and get ready and get help? What about for the perpetrator? Because, um, yeah, if we're saying, hey, take a break, let's try and heal both people, where, where does the perpetrator go to? Because quite often do, they don't even want help. <laughs> They're still blaming her. Yeah, 
and uh, that that's true. Uh, but I think the perpetrator needs to be addressed as well. It's um, no point um, addressing just one side of the coin. You need to address the other side of the coin so that you can restore the true value of that coin. And um, the perpetrator needs help. But, and I believe that one way to get to the perpetrator is through some wise friends of his who have some wisdom, who can help, you know, counsel him. Uh, mind you, we're talking about just a man in this case, but we do have men in situations like women face. And, um, and the same goes for the women. Um, uh, that's what I feel. We need to address the both instead of just the one. Yeah. No, both. And it's, um, I think I just want to add, it's really important that we don't address them together because <laughs> a woman's not going to speak up um, with the man there because she knows she's going to be in big trouble. So separate counselling is really important. Does the Methodist Church have count, have have these types of counselling available? Are, are your leaders trained in this or is it better to get outside help from the Crisis Centre or House of Sarah? Well, I think... Um most ministers are, are trained to be counsellors um, at, at the um, theological school, but some uh, need counselling themselves. And uh, I think in such cases where a minister or, or, or a church leader finds um, that he or she is, is unable to provide the counselling uh, that may be suitable for the need of the of the women or the men, um, they should make referrals, and I think churches should make or have partnerships with with um, organisations that provide uh, such services. And I I think that's that's the way to move forward. Together as a community, we can work together to help the person in need. Part of the training I do when I'm over here in Fiji is, uh, it's called Creating Healthy Churches, because I believe healthy churches create a healthy nation. And I've actually, because quite often churches have to put together uh, policies and procedures around different areas, and so I'm really encouraging them to have policies and procedures around abuse. <laughs> because it's probably one of Fiji's number one issues. So to think that um, 72 percent of women in relationships have been abused and they're all going to be in your churches as well we're so naive to think that they're not um, and so yes I think creating policies so that if someone comes to us we know to re where to refer them <laughs> what is um, the right practice uh, involved D does the Methodist Church have um, I'm putting you on the spot I know but the Methodist Church is the biggest religious institution in Fiji and you have so much power. Do you have any such, um, I guess, policies or are you working on them or what can we do to strengthen those? Well, I have some good news for you, Letitia. Um, we have Section 2.7 of the um, Code of Conduct of the Methodist Church in Fiji which addresses the very issue we're talking about. And um, also, um, just recently, we've had uh, um, another policy protecting children uh, that uh, was um, unveiled uh, last month or the month before that. And so we're seriously looking at, you know, the protection of those who are abused. So when I mean those who are abused, I'm, I'm meaning male or female, child or an adult. 
Yeah. So that's in place. Yeah, that's in place and that's progressing. <laughs> Great. Progressing like a turtle. <laughs> that's, it's good to know that there's a start. Um, what do we got to do to break down? Because um, as I was, I was saying off air before to you, the, the amount of women, like, because I live in Australia generally and I visit Fiji, but because of this podcast and I guess women are, becoming to know me and even men are reaching out saying can they share their stories but mostly women it usually I get an inbox saying this is my story where do I get help and the first thing I ask them is well what church do you go to because most Fijians are at church and they will give me the name of a church and I'm like can you speak to your leaders about this because I need you know I can't help from Australia and then generally the answer is no I would never speak to them or whatever now that might not be the church leader's fault but how can we break this divide down so that the first I mean the church should be the most healing redemptive um, place on earth but it's usually the last place that women want to go to for help and men I was talking to a man who was abused last week by his wife and he's been in a church and never gotten help from anywhere so what can we as church leaders do to break that down so that they know that we are there for them. Yes, I think the onus is on both the men, you know, the church leader or the church leaders and, and, and the, um, the victim here. Um, I personally, I, I can speak only on, you know, uh, my part in this. Um, I'm, I'm quite open and I, anybody can come and talk to me. But one thing I've noticed is that uh, also in our church, we are um, culturally framed too, in the sense that um, there's a term that's, that's used, Loma Nimbai in Fijian, which practically when transliterated, it means, you know, inside the fence. Or trans- that's what it means. But it, but it has a deeper meaning because it goes on to... Uh, Imply, the, you know, the, this this idea that uh, the, the minister is separated from the from the people, and so that's something that people grow up in and grow up with, and that may be a barrier. But I remember when I was serving in one of the villages in Fiji, uh, the Lomanimbai was an open gate, and anybody could walk in there. But I noticed when people came into the Lomanimbai. Some skeptics, you know, the those the traditionalists would be, you know, speaking against those people who were, came into the Lomanimbai. And sometimes I would even get a bit of the arrow as well because why am I opening it up to people to walk into my, you know, the Lomanimbai? So these 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 are some of the things, um, the underlying currents, if you may, that that sometimes, you know, help take the one who is in need away from where the need. Uh, can be resolved. Yeah, no, that's a challenge to um, break down that great divide. And and for church leaders to be in touch with where their people are at. <laughs> um, it's not just the pastor. The pastor can't do everything, but I know that there's youth leaders, there's women leaders. Um, and so how do we, yeah, keep creating spaces where women feel free, that, that are shame-free, where you're not going to get some religious answer like <laughs> just forgive forgive them um, hey what um, you know I've also uh, another passion of mine is to 
I guess, break a culture of silence. Um, what does it take for the church to yeah, really break these, you know, when I begin to talk about abuse and, and porn, people say, oh, they're taboo issues. Um, which is which is not which sounds good, but um, you know, in God's kingdom, to be silent around evil is actually oppression. <laughs> We're adding to the problem. So, how, what does it take to really? And I know you're going against culture. How can we break these taboo issues on a greater way? Well, I think one way of breaking it is is to um, raise emotion in the Methodist conference that we designate one. Sunday or one week in the year in its um, liturgic calendar um, against pornography and against violence uh, against human beings, um, a fellow neighbor. And that's probably one way of, of bringing out um, you know, the message loud and clear. And so the church being the biggest um, uh, number in Fiji, um, you can imagine that theme being um, addressed in over a thousand and thousands of churches, Fiji-wide. So it will have that big impact and that the um, CCNSS, the Christian Citizenship and Social Services Department, arm of the conference, um, can take on the, um, the, the idea and, and develop um, teachings on the subject so that the church as a whole and as a community of faith we can focus on that subject from Monday to Sunday and as you know as, as an anchor not to say that the, uh, just have it for one week and, and then you forget about it but as an anchor and then you you can you know it flows from there yeah, I, I love that idea, having some concerted... I know I've just been um, in Dubai with friends from India, from a big city of 7 million, and all the pastors are working together. And once a year, they delegate a month. It's called the Esther Challenge. So to allow the voice of Esther to be heard, <laughs> the plea for her people, her, her fellow women. Um, and they're yeah, really doing surveys on um, what women are feeling in their churches, the abuse that they're dealing with. Um, they're, it's, it's great. So, so are you going to pass that motion? You will? <laughs> I'll just wait. You... Yeah, I'm going to pass the motion. So when's that meeting? It's in, it's in August. August. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you for advocating. Um, yeah, because these are these are real life issues that people are dealing with. I spoke at a church on Sunday on pornography. It was a youth service, um, a lot of young people there. And at the end, uh, a 17-year-old girl just said, thank you for breaking the taboo because these are issues that we don't speak about at home but we're all struggling with. Um, and so I think the more we begin to speak about it from church and parents hear it and then they can have conversations as well. So, well, look, our time's up. Um, we have our studio audience here today and they're looking thrilled. <laughs> Your wife and another pastor. But thank you so much, Reverend, for what you're doing. I appreciate your friendship. Any last final words you'd like to say? I hope when I pass that motion in conference, I can have the support of the victims present at conference so conference can see that this is not, you know, um, an airy... Um, 
a message, but a message that's real and affecting lives. Easily, I see your suffering. I see the pain beneath that bowl of smile. Come out from hiding. The sun is rising. Let the islands hear reason. Let 